That's what I'm talking about, son. Get you some of that. That old pie. Woo-hoo! Looky there. There's your bug-eyed big one right there. Getting started. We're getting started. Here's what I'm talking about. Gosh dang gorilla. Let's go, baby. Straight meat. God, look at that big one. All right, everybody, welcome into the BAM Pod. This is your host, Big Ed. And, you know, first I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody because this is the last show before Christmas time. So, you know, thanks for tuning in this year and listening to the show and uh, giving us the support we've gotten. And, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten much bigger and it's gotten stronger. And, you know, going into next year, we're just going to keep on going. And, um, you know, today tonight's guest, I went out and I, you know, He's been on the show before, and we talked a little bit about him and coming up as a champion and what it takes. And, you know, this time I want to talk to him a little bit about this wintertime thing coming up and the kind of the weird things that are going on. But I got Luke Johns on the line. Luke, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. No, it's definitely our pleasure. You know, you're a young guy coming up in this sport and you've done a ton already. I mean, it's kind of like you've already won the rookie of the year. You've already run, you know, won championships. You've won all kinds of different events. You've won, you know, just you've been out there kicking butt and taking names, dude. And, and you know, to have you on here um, and we're coming into a new season, we're coming into winter. And winter is one of those ones that guys are. You know, across the country, people are putting their boats away. People are getting bundled up and they're like, nah, I'm not going to get out there that much. And I think the numbers definitely go down in who actually shows up and who actually goes out fishing anymore. But I want to know from you, a guy who, you know, doesn't get to really choose when he fishes. You fish tournaments and you have to be out there practicing and you have to know these lakes. Is this a good time of year to be out fishing at all? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, as far as wintertime fishing goes, I think it's, it's kind of one of my favorite times to fish. I mean, I guess, I guess that's not quite the right way to put it because I like fishing all year round, but <laughs> it has some qualities for winter fishing that I really enjoy that you don't get to experience any other time of the year. Um, so of course, one of the, the first things I always notice is the lake's a little less crowded, which is always nice. Uh, I live right here on Folsom Lake, which is always an absolute zoo with the wakeboard boats and all that stuff. So if you're looking to get out, do some fishing and, you know, beat the crowds basically, or, or just be away from a lot of the crowds, the wintertime fishing is, is by far superior than any other time of the year. Um, but aside from that, the fishing itself is also really good. Um, I was actually just out on Folsom. I think it was, maybe yesterday, no, day before on Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, we have some decent water temps. So I think it was just below like 55 degrees. I think we we're like, yeah, having around 54, 55. Um, and the amount of bait that's in the lake right now that you're seeing is just absolutely insane. So that's one of the cool things about winter is you get these huge schools of bait all throughout the lake. And when you find those, it's pretty easy to pinpoint your fish because, course just like any other time of the year they are you know chasing their food around so when that bait just groups up as heavy as it does in winter um it makes targeting your fish a lot easier and you know it's it it kind of just makes it a lot of fun too because these fish just get in these feeding frenzies every now and then um and you can just 
go to town catching fish. Uh, you know what? Oh, go ahead. Well, you know, I was going to add a little bit about what you just said there, right there is um, these fish get a little easier to catch. Sometimes is there a place you like to target for those fish? I mean, are you, uh, you know, points, uh, ambush areas, you know, stump fields, rocks. Gr what is it that you really look for um, that attract? I'm guessing that the thing is that it, it has to attract the bait fish. And when it attracts the bait fish, and it, it, then it attracts the bass. And when you're out there trying to get those, I mean, you've got to find the bait fish first. So when you do find them, what do you kind of, wh where do you get on the water and go, you know what, this is what I'm going to look for first? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, because I guess you could you could get real confused there when I'm just talking about <laughs> finding bait balls and you're like, uh, you know, you get the whole lake to, to find them. Right. But anyways, uh, I guess from my perspective, I do a lot of fishing in the kind of deeper reservoirs this time of year. So keep that in mind when I'm explaining this. This mostly mm -hmm. applies to places like Shasta, Folsom Lake, Oroville. Um, so when, I'm, when I launch my boat on one of those lakes, the first thing I'm going to do, power up the graph, um, take note of your water temperature. Um, and then what I like to do is use my contour lines. So I've got Lake Master chips in the Garmin's and I will look at my contour lines, find areas that I think will kind of be high percentage areas, which in my eyes are places like long tapering points, you know, island humps that are underwater, all the typical things that we all look for most of the year. Um, those really come into play during the winter time. And then once you're actually, you know, once you got a couple spots picked out that you're going to go look at, uh, you're going to want to fire up your, your side imaging. That is by far one of the most useful tools. I mean, it's useful all year round, but especially in wintertime when you're doing kind of this more offshore, a little bit deeper fishing. Um, so what I'll do with that is I will be looking for structure the whole time. So I will look for rock piles. I'll look for brush piles. Um, as far as a specific type of structure goes, I... I've never really been one to discount any type of structure. Um, I just like to look for, you know, what looks right. And then, of course, the, the fish and the bait fish will be the ones that really tell you which one you need to key in on that day or on that body of water. Um, so it might be brush piles one day. It might be rock piles the next day. It might be, you know, a sand flat the next day. Um, right. So keep that in mind. You never want to be too, um, you know, stuck in your way of, you know, they're going to be on rock piles. That's it. Uh, I think that's one thing bass fishermen <laughs> do way too much is, you know, uh, we, we get into our ways and, you know, we launch our boat. We want to drive as far away from the ramp as we can to start fishing all that sort of stuff. Um, right. but anyways, yeah. So look for your rock piles and look for your bait fish. Those, those are your first things. So once you start seeing those bait balls pop up, you know you're in the right area. And it's going to be pretty obvious this time of year. I mean, the bait balls that I was seeing on Folsom are, you know, like they're like the size of your boat or, or bigger. You know, it's wow. not like you're going to miss them if, if you grab over them. So once you found your bait, um, and a lot of the times this year, like I said, I'm, I'm targeting a little bit deeper water. So I'm in that 20 to kind of 30 foot range is where I was seeing them uh, on Folsom recently. And as that water temp drops more and more, typically those bait fish will slide out a little bit deeper. Um, so you just kind of want to follow those around. And well, then after that, once... Well, wait, hold yeah. on a second, because, you know, you said, hey, I'm targeting these deeper reservoirs, but then you just said they slide out a little bit deeper. So when you're talking about that, you know, what is the depth that you're usually thinking this time of year? Because, you know, you're you're pretty 
you know, you've been out there a while. What is, is there a certain depth that these fish are looking for? Is there something that you can help guys go, you know what, you don't need to be in 90 feet of water, but you do need to be up around, I don't know, 20, 30, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say, I'd say right now with the water temp I saw on Folsom and just where I saw the bait, it was predominantly in that 20 to 30 foot range. Okay. Now, as your water temp drops, typically those fish will continue to push out deeper and deeper. So you'll kind of want to follow them and, and you're just don't be fearful of going deeper than 30 foot or deeper than 40 foot. Um, so a lot of the times, like probably let's say mid January, I might be fishing Folsom and I, I'd probably, I mean, I just, I'm guessing right now, but I might be finding these same fish in, you know, that 35 to 45 foot range. Um, okay. and kind of as it gets colder, they might push out a little bit more and more. I've been personally on Shasta and been catching fish out of 90 feet of water. So, um, it all kind of just depends on your water temperature. Uh, I mean, obviously that is what plays and that's what makes these fish move to different depths. Um, yeah. with yeah, that, a, I will put a little, that, well, that's good to say. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that you know, I was just going to ask you with what you're talking about, you know, the water temperature fluctuating, the areas getting, um, you know, wintertime, we think of that. We think, oh, it's going to get colder. And you talk about these fish are moving out because they're finding the comforter, the comfortable area for them to, to swim in, be in, live in for that time of year. But what is that temperature that when you talk about that, what is that temperature you're looking for to go, you know what? This is what I've found is the predominant, you know, temperature that I catch fish in. Um, so I, I almost don't, I don't want to say a specific temperature for what I catch fish in because I think, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, I won't stick myself on that one because I like right now, like I said, I was at the 55 degree water temperature. That is a really fun water temperature this time of year you can it's just starting usually like the 55 degree water temperature is my favorite time to where you can still be catching your reaction fish with you know throwing an alabama rig throwing a deep crankbait um you know throwing a single swim bait that sort of stuff or a spinner bait maybe even um okay. that's a really good time and as that water temperature drops down lower like once you start to get into the 40s those techniques are going to get a little bit tougher to do them just anywhere around the lake. And that's, you know, I'm going to put that in quotes because you could still <laughs> definitely get on, you know, your crankbait yeah. bite. The fish don't always like to play by the rules. So, um, but just the general basis that 50 to 55 is still a really good temperature to where you can catch those reaction fish. And then once you drop below that, that's when I really start to see myself catching a lot more fish on the truly finesse tactics, whether it's, you know, drop shotting or, um, you know, throwing something like a blade, which is, or a spoon, which is a really fun way to catch it. It's still catch mm -hmm. them. It feels like you're still, you know, kind of reaction fishing because you are, but it's a way that you can catch fish and, uh, force them to react to a bait, even in extremely cold temperatures. I mean, when you're dropping into the lower forties, even I love to have that spoon bite because you can get some super, you know, vicious reaction bites out of fish yeah. that, you know, normally don't want to chase anything. Hmm. Now, now does the does the spoon allow you to, I guess, put that right in their face it, to just over and over and over and over jigging, you know, jigging it straight up and down or jigging it vertically? 
is that what you're kind of looking for is to keep it in that strike zone the longest or just so those fish don't have to move because it's cold. They don't want to. Yeah, definitely. So I'll I'll kind of break down how, what I like to look for and and how I like to target these, you know, spoon or blade bait fish. And that is, um, I like to pick that up once I have found my fish. And, uh, of course this is very, very, very reliant on finding your bait. You have to have bait in the area and it's a lot better if they're obviously actively feeding on that bait. That's when the spoon bite really, really shines. So when you start to see, of course, now we have the bonus of forward facing sonar. If you have that on your boat, you can obviously see those fish coming up through the bait. But the other way to look for it is if you're just on your regular 2D sonar, which I've done time and time again, you'll find those bait balls and you'll see those big streaks going through your graph when you idle over them. That is, that is showing <laughs> fish movement. So those fish are actively moving through that bait ball when you see those kind of long streaks going across your graph. Okay. So that's what I like to look for. Once I've found that, then it's almost, if that bait ball is not moving too much, which is obviously going to make it a lot easier on you, um, that's when I kind of put the boat in spot lock. I'll just kind of hang right over that school and I will just drop my bait down on 2d or on forward facing sonar, whatever you want to use. And you're just ripping that bait up and down through that school. Um, a lot of those bigger fish too. One of the things to note is they will mm. stay kind of below that school of bait. So you'll, you'll notice that you can obviously catch fish on the top of the bait ball. You can catch them dead in the middle of it. You can catch them on the bottom. But a lot of those big fish, they're a little bit lazier and they're a little bit smarter. So what they'll do is if there's a lot of fish going through that bait fish school, a lot of those bait fish will end up actually getting hit or injured by other fish coming through. So what will happen is when those fish get injured, they'll actually just kind of start sinking to the bottom. And those big lazy ones just like to sit below. And they basically just, I mean, they're almost getting the leftovers, but they're getting the same, you know, nutrients out of the fish and they don't have to do as much work for it. So that's one of the things don't, you know, don't, don't shy away from fishing below your school of bait fish. Um, but you can honestly fish it all the way up and down through it. And you can, I I've had some absolutely phenomenal days on that on, on Shasta. I was remembering a tournament. I had a school of bait fish and this is another one where it goes back to the depth. I, I had this school of bait fish from, uh, it was 90 feet deep from the bottom at 90 to about 70 foot so a solid 20 feet was the graph looked like it was just the bottom but it was just a a flat school of bait that stretched for like 100 yards wow and it was i was catching a fish pretty much every drop Uh, it was just it was absolutely ridiculous and of course when you get into those kind of situations you get a lot of your cookie cutter sized fish but if you're just looking to go out and have fun that is probably one of the best techniques uh during winter time fishing to do it Hi, this is Josh McMurray. I'm the city manager for the city of Oakley. We're located on the Delta. We have a beautiful shoreline and we really want to promote the city as the gateway to the Delta and showcase everything that we have to offer. We have a beautiful downtown that's expanding, brand new restaurants. What we're trying to do is build that brand to make sure that people know that you can come to Oakley and you can do everything that you want associated with the Delta and you can still stay here, eat here and have a good time in a very family friendly and safe environment. Okay. I mean, that's, that's definitely, um, you know, a technique that has really the last few shows that I've done, the spoon bite has really been talked about. Uh, oh, wow. I, 
I know, and that's and that's the thing, and that's how that, I think late fall to to winter is when it really starts to shine because that's what everybody keeps saying. And hearing it from you, that means you know, and, and a guy who's done what you've done, it, it means so much to to just you know what that's a big confirmation that that's this is the time of year that you should be you know pulling it out. The other thing that I you know I guess I'm so used to hearing about, and I. I don't hear about it as much right now, but I I have heard it is the jig bite. And I think that this is one of those times that for me, this has always been the notorious time to throw a jig. You know, bit the, the bass aren't moving very fast um, between jigs, Texas rigs and spoons. I mean, I think what you're saying is that the spoon is more of the reaction bait, which it can be a heck of a lot more fun when you're, when it's cold outside and you want to be doing something rather than just dragging around something. But at the same time, how does that play in this time of year or does it, is it worth even picking up a jig or a Texas rig worm and throwing that thing out there and moving it across the bottom? Or is it like, you know what, don't do it. Just go out and, and throw reaction baits. So you already talked about spinner baits. You've talked about jigs. I mean, those are, those are hardcore reaction baits right there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I definitely like throwing the jig this time of year. There's no doubt. Um, one of the things I've noticed with the jig bite, like I kind of said about the spoon bite that catches a lot of your cookie cutter fish. I mean, if you're, mm. if you're looking to fill a limit, you're looking to get some okay fish on the boat. That is a great way to do it. Or, you know, if you're just going out trying to catch a lot of fish. Um, but the jig bite is one where I, when I pick that thing up, I'm typically not trying to catch a lot of fish. Um, no, I'm not saying that you can't because I've definitely had, <laughs> you know, really good days for numbers on the jig. But typically when I pick up the jig, I'm looking for a little bit of a bigger bite during winter. Um, so that's one of the really nice things about the jig is it is it does elicit a reaction or, you know, a bite from a lot of those bigger fish because it's typically a bigger profile bait, um, you know, than than something like a spoon or, or a small swim bait, that sort of thing. Um so there's, there's kind of two types of jigs that I like to throw um, during this time of year, or really all year long. The first one is just going to be the classic, you know, rubber jig with a twin tail grub on the back of it. Um, or another variation of that that I like to throw to, if I'm really trying to target a little bit of a bigger fish, I'll throw like one of the Yamamoto Cowboys on the back. Because um, okay. it's basically the same design. It's, it, it's basically a big twin tail grub. Um, so if you're looking to beef up your, your, uh, jig trailer, that's a really good option for you. And then the other one is just throwing that plain Yamamoto hula grub, um, which mm -hmm. kind of, you know, it has that built-in skirt. You're not throwing that on a, uh, pre-skirted jig. You're just putting that on, you know, something like an owner football head. Mm -hmm. Um, and those two baits are, um, I, I definitely utilize them differently. So the hula grub is a lot better, uh, for your, a little bit smaller fish for your numbers bites just because it's a smaller profile it's, it, you know it doesn't put off as much vibration and stuff like that um it's a really good way to catch fish when the bite gets really really tough and then that rubber jig or something you know with the built-in skirt rubber silicone whatever mm. type of jig you're throwing that is my kind of big fish jig for this time of year um and that one of course uh, it's kind of the same. You're not so reliant on your bait fish being in the area. Obviously, 
you want to scan still, you want to find a good rock pile, you want to find some sort of structure that these fish are relating to, because typically this time of year, no matter what, they're on some sort of structure. They're not just going to be free roaming as much. Um, and it's a lot harder to target them with a jig if they are free roaming. <laughs> so once you found your structure piece, I'll, I'll throw that jig out there. Obviously, you're going to let her sink to the bottom. Um, and there's kind of two different ways that I will retrieve uh, the jig back. And this goes for both the hula grub and for the rubber jig. Um, and that is, I'll start with the, the first one, the, the little bit more boring one, as I would say, which is just your, your straight up drag across the bottom. Um, so that I will tighten my line. You know, I kind of have my rod tip pointed at the water and I'll just do a slow, slow, slow sweep with my rod. Um, and what I really like to do is I like to, you're basically counting the rocks down there. Um, oh. which sounds very tedious and <laughs> it can be. Um, but trust me when I say it can catch some really big fish doing that. So you're literally just, you know, hopping it or not even hopping it. You're, you're dragging it and just kind of watching your rod tip, just ticking, ticking, ticking. Um, and then of course, you know, when you get your bite, it kind of comes in, in two different ways this time of year. Um, and one of them, of course, it's your typical jig bite. You get a nice thump. You know, everybody loves that feeling, but a lot of the times the fish this time of year, when the water temperature drops, they get really lethargic and they're not going to be as aggressive with their strikes. Strikes, So it's going to feel almost more like a, uh, I call it like a mush bite, which is um, a way I can describe it. It's almost like somebody hooked a wet rag onto your, uh, onto the end of your rod. It feels very mushy, soft. It's just got a little bit of pressure to it. Um, but it's not, it's not solid, obviously. You'll, you can notice the difference between a snag because a snag's not going to move, but you're kind of dragging your jig. And a lot of the times, as soon as you start to feel it, you kind of question yourself. You're like, is that even a bite? And then you're like, well, it's kind of moving, so it probably is. And then, you know, you kind of can tighten your rod up, and usually you could feel just a little bit of a head shake in there or, or a, you know, a tail kick or something, and that's how you know. Hmm. And you can set into that fish. Um, and that, that is very typical when you're, when you're doing that dragging presentation, because that's, that is one that targets those, you know, more lethargic fish that don't want to move. I mean, you're basically going to drag that jig right in front of their face and they're just going to kind of barely pick it up. Um, so it is, I mean, that being said, it's very important that you have a sensitive rod, um, you know, on the right setup that you're throwing it on. Uh, the second way that I like to fish that jig this time of year, uh, which I think it's overlooked in the winter time because it's, you know, quote unquote, a more kind of reactionary, a little bit faster way to retrieve that jig is, is to actually just kind of hop that jig. Of course, we've all seen a video of a crawdad when they're getting chased by something or, or, you know, you spook one and they, you know, the way those crawfish get away from a predator is they kick their tail and it kind of shoots them backwards, like, you know, a little rocket underwater. Right. Um, so what I'm doing when I'm hopping that jig is I'm just trying to basically mimic that exact movement. So it's, it's kind of shorter rod, uh, swings. You're not, you know, it's not like a spoon where you're going to rip it four feet. I'll typically rip it, you know, like a, a, a one to two foot off the bottom, but it is a fast movement. So it'll hop up. And then of course you want to let it drop on slack line. So it's just kind of an up, down, up, down. Um, and of course you're going to work this over to the same areas that I explained before. You want to have right. some sort of structure you're fishing it on, but it allows you to cover a little bit more water this time of year. 
um, and still target those fish that are kind of suction cut to the bottom. Um, and typically with that bite, they will be a little bit more aggressive. So you don't have to worry so much about the mush bite. And of course, I mean, the next time you go to snap it, it's, it's going to be obvious if that fish is on there or not, because you're going to go to lift your rod. It's not going to move or it's going to start running the other way. And, uh, and of course, you know, when you're fishing a, a football head style jig, I like to give them a, a pretty solid hook set. So, you know, that's your time, crack them, get them in the boat. And um, yeah, that's, that's wow. another really fun retrieve that a lot of people, I think kind of looked over this time of year. Okay. I mean, that's, that's what I think people are looking for, um, you know, is some of the ways to go out there and attack this water and, you know, and, and try to get these fish going. Um, two things that I, that I had questions about when you were talking in there, one was about the spoon is the first one I should say is about the spoon. Does size really matter this time of year? Are you just trying to match the hatch? Are you trying to go big or go home? Are you, I mean, there's so many different size, you know, different sizes out there that you can use. Um, what is your, what is your go-to this time of year as far as a spoon? Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of have two spoons that I really lean towards this time of year. Um, the first one is, you know, your typical style spoon. It, I'd throw something like, you know, like a Blade Runner maybe a one and three quarter ounce is kind of the weight that I really like okay. to throw. Gets so down there big. quick. Yeah. A little bigger. Yeah. A little bigger. It's maybe two inches long, some somewhere around that. Um, two to three inches is a, is a good size. It's still, it's small enough to where it matches a lot of the bait fish. Cause especially out here in California, a lot of our spotted bass reservoirs have smaller size bait fish mm -hmm. on them. You know, you'll see your fish setting them up. They're usually one to two inches long. Okay. Um, so that's one of my favorites. And the other style spoon that I like to throw, I guess it's not technically a spoon. It, it's actually, you know, it's a blade bait. So it okay. almost, I mean, it basically resembles a small uh, lipless bait, um, yeah. but it's made out of metal. Uh, so it sinks really fast and it kind of has that same action. So when you lift your rod tip up, you're going to feel a really violent vibration. Um, and that one is, I don't like to really cast that one that much. I, I tend to have a, a better... Uh, you know, just a better ratio for catching fish, fishing that thing vertically. Um, the typical spoon, you can kind of cast that thing and hop it back. But of course, most of the time when I get on my really good spoon bites, it is vertical because those fish are corralling those bait fish um, and you, you're really not casting. You're basically dropping down and watching it on your graph. Okay. And then just ripping it up through the schools as you go. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, you know, you, you want to play with your, with your depth, um, you know, mess with it over the top of the school, you know, right in the middle, down below it. Um, okay. And, you know, just, just really, 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 you need to pay attention to your sonar, um, whether you're using the 2D or the, um, or the forward facing, um, that's, that's what's going to help you get into the right depth. And then, you know, you, of course, on both of those, you can see where your spoon is. So, um, you know, just take note throughout the day where you're getting your bites and, and adjust accordingly. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. If you're getting right off the bottom and you're catching better, bigger fish, like you just talked about, then obviously throw it to the bottom, let it sit down there. If you're only catching fish midway down, then, you know, aim at that, you know, um, I, that's pretty interesting. Exactly. That's pretty interesting with the blade bait, with, you know, ripping the blade bait up through that. <laughs> pardon me um you know using it basically like a vertical spoon rather than 
something that you're casting out and then swimming back. You're not, you're actually, you want that ripping action and then let it hit the bottom again and, and die, uh, kill it off. I mean, cause that's, I mean, I think when, when, when you say that, or you talk about that, the first thing that comes to mind is the, the classic, um, LV shad fishing an LV shad where you throw it out, let it hit the bottom, just rip it up off the bottom and then let it fall right back down. Is that the kind of way you're fishing that? Or are you just directly under the boat, <laughs> ripping that thing up and down? The blade typically, I, typically, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do both. Definitely. Okay. Um, but I, I do like to fish it a little bit more vertically. I'm never, I never really find myself making a far cast. Um, and that's honestly, that's probably because I haven't had forward facing sonar, um, <laughs> in winter time yet. This was my first year running forward facing sonar. I didn't get it till March. So I've never really been able to accurately target those, you know, schools that I'm looking for away from the boat. Um, so, so that, of course that might play into some of it. So I might, you know, this winter find myself casting more because I can see those bait balls further away from the boat. Um, but it has worked very well for me just vertically when I get over top of those bait balls and I can see it on, you know, the 2D sonar below me. And yeah, I will drop it down and I'll fish it the same way I fish the spoon in the sense that, you know, I will mess with the depth. So I won't, I don't necessarily have to have it hitting the bottom. Um, but there are definitely times where I am letting it hit the bottom. Um, so I think you just kind of, kind of keep an open mind with, uh, with your depth range on those things. And, and that helps a lot. Bass Angler Magazine is your guide to better bass fishing. Bass Angler is dedicated to helping you catch more and bigger bass no matter what time of year or where you live. This is not your ordinary fishing magazine. Every issue is jam-packed with 30-plus articles from the world's best bass anglers. Bass Angler Magazine is available at BassAnglerMag.com, Tackle Warehouse, Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's, Gander Mountain, Walmart, and Better Tackle Shops everywhere. Bass Angler also makes a great gift for any angler. Get Bass Angler today and start catching more bass tomorrow. Visit BassAnglerMag.com or your favorite tackle shop. This is not your ordinary fishing magazine. BassAnglerMag.com. Okay. And then my other question that I, you know, was going to ask you is how much, when you're talking about the jig and fishing into rounders, how much does color this time of year really matter? Is it, is it again, is it match the hatch? Is it look for, is there a certain color that you go, no, no, this is what I put on and this is what I catch fish on. Or is it, Hey, I, you know, I got to figure out what they want. Yeah. I kind of, I think jig fishing, I, I, I try to keep really simple. Um, I find that uh, for the most part, if I'm jig fishing, my color isn't a huge, uh, huge factor for me most of the mm -hmm. time. Not saying that different colors don't work better, but <laughs> I try to keep it pretty simple. So, um, of course, your classic PB&J, that is one of my fan, you know, the fan favorite for me. That's probably typically the first thing I'm going to start with. Um, and then, of course, I love to have some sort of a green pumpkin variation. Okay. And then aside, I mean, honestly, those are the two main ones. I might throw in something with a little bit of red, um, but it's not going to be, you know, a, a overly red bait. It's, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about like a Delta Craw, uh, yeah. you know, just bright red jig. Um, of course, there are times when you get into dirtier water where I like to brighten up my jig just a little bit. But for the most part, I keep it pretty basic. basic. I go, you know, PB&J, 
green pumpkin and typically those two will you know solve all my problems for me okay uh i'm gonna do something to you now that i you know i think is well it's just funny for me to do but i want to put you in a different scenario here you are in the midwest and it is depth of water is eight feet deep you've got lots of grass and you're looking for fish what are you gonna do well, I've never fished the Midwest, so uh, this might be a rough one. If there's some Midwest listeners, they might just think I'm an absolute buffoon. But uh, no, that's right. okay. What's, that's what's what my I, water that's temperature what I again? Yeah, I mean, here you're you're a California champion. You've been out there. You're a top angler, and everybody says, "Hey, Fisher, a bass is a bass is a bass." Wherever they're at, and water temperature is. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you your water temperature. It's 55 degrees. You've got grass everywhere, but it's dying off. And your deepest spot that you can find is eight feet deep. So what are you going to do? Okay. I like this. Um, <laughs> first, first thing that instantly came to my mind is a chatterbait. Um, okay. I, that, that's probably what I'd start with. Uh, that way I could cover some water. Um, but the nice thing about a chatterbait that a lot of people, I think obviously the chatterbait gets the, the connotation that it's a reaction bite, which it is, um, and it's a fast-moving bait. But you don't necessarily have to make it that. So I'd probably be throwing something, I mean, I'm going to go with uh, a mini max, most likely, something, something along those lines, or a little bit of a lighter chatterbait. Okay. That way I can fish it in that shallow depth range. Uh, through the grass without it being, you know, bogged down. So something around, you know, a quarter ounce, maybe a three eighths ounce. Um, and I'm going to be throwing, I'd probably this time of year, I'd be throwing something a little bit of a skinnier trailer. So um, I wouldn't be throwing, you know, your typical like crawdad trailer on the back of that, like we do at the Delta, just mm -hmm. because when you put that crawdad trailer on the back, you're getting so much movement out of that. Once you get into the little bit colder water, I'd like to have something with a little bit of a tighter action to kind of more mimic the um, lethargic bait fish look. Um, I don't know what our water clarity is going to be. I'm going to assume it's semi-clear. So I'm going to go kind of a more shad pattern on that thing. <laughs> and then as far as retrieve is going to go, I mean, of course, make a nice long cast out there and I'm going to kind of just be slow rolling that thing pretty well. I'm going to try to basically just be picking, you know, through the grass, um, not bogged down to where it's getting snagged. And then, you know, of course, when you feel that grass getting, you know, on your chatterbait, I'm going to pop my rod tip, but I'm not going to rip my rod tip. There's, you know, the difference mm -hmm. there. I'm not trying to get a huge reaction strike by, you know, just making a massive sweep with my rod. I'm just trying to basically free that grass, pop it out lightly, and then get back to kind of that slow roll. Um, and then I think another thing that I would probably have tied up, uh, which would be mm -hmm. pretty similar to my, to my chatterbait would just be a, a single swim bait. Um, something like a, okay. uh, you know, a paddle and Zacco, like a four inch bait, or maybe, you know, just a typical Kitek, throw that on something like one of the, um, you know, an owner flashy swimmer, give it a little bit of a, a flash going on down there or just a single jig head. Of course, if I'm fishing around grass, I'm going to want, you know, some sort of a, a hook that's going to be a little bit more weedless. Um, right. Gosh, what else? Uh, and then as far as, we'll, we'll go, we'll get a little finesse here now too. Um, I'd probably pick up something like a Texas rig just because, you know, like you said, there's grass. So I'm going to want something yeah. a little bit weedless. 
Um, just something I can kind of hop through that grass. And that would probably, I'd probably pick that more up once I've kind of figured out where I'm going to be, you know, finding more of my fish after I fish that chatterbait, you know, get a couple bites on the chatterbait, find my little area that I like, and then go back through, pick that apart with Texas rig to pick up some of those fish that might not want to really chase anything. All right. And, and now that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that's sitting in the Midwest right now, I'm listening to this show and I go, yeah, well, a hurricane just came through or a, a tornado just came through and the water's dirty, muddy, and it's nasty and you're wrong. You didn't catch anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, my best shot. So, <laughs> but Hey, you know, that's kind of the thing is I wanted to hear, you know, what is it that you, and the biggest thing that I heard out of all of that was that you still decided this time of year in winter to put on some kind of a shad imitation, a bait fish bait rather than a crawfish bait and, and work things area slow, you know, just methodically. Nope. You decided to go, I want some reaction. I want to cover some water and I want to see how many fish I can get out of an area, uh, you know, moving wise. And that's, that's, and I think that's really important this time of year for all across the country, for people that, you know, that's what, that's what a guy who has been a champion, who's been out there and, and in the coldest weather and the nastiest weather and the, the storms, and everything else, this is how they think. And this is what I, that's basically why I pose that question is to let people know. It's like, Hey, they're dead set. These guys are dead set on throwing shad imitations this time of year and really, you know, uh, covering as much water as they can to find the most active fish. And that's it. That was, yeah, you know, definitely. That was great. You know, um, I guess going into the rest of it, you know, when, when you talked about the, you know, the different colors and all that, the green pumpkins, the, the I've heard peanut butter and jelly so much this time for, for as fall comes along, as winter comes along, as this is, is that a color for all times of year too? Because it just seems like that's the color I hear a lot is just PB and J is a great color for fishing. Yeah. Fries. It, it it is it is i mean i i will fish a pbmj jig almost pretty much year round on just about any lake i think if i had to pick literally one jig teller and and have confidence in it all year long i, I would probably be going with pbmj just because i mean it just flat out works pretty much anywhere you can take it and i mean you see a lot of that in in other colors i mean those darker right. uh more subtle brown purplish colors work really well all over the place of course you know us out here in california we love that margarita mutilator worm <laughs> which is kind of the same thing it's got you know it's got your brown belly it's got a purple back um, yep. and those fish they they eat it year round oh trust me the, the 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 lady that i fish with all the time my fiance here that's that is her color right there man margarita mutilator if we don't have 10 bags in the boat at any one time we're not going out it's just it, we need to go to the store first you, you gotta have it it's the staple <laughs> right and I, you know and i know that it has to work all over the country so but yeah for here for sure that's and i that's what i just kind of wondering you know it's it's a color that i think is so good for i always hear about looking for you know mash the hatch make the bait you know make the thing look <laughs> exactly like everything but i don't ever see brown and purple crawdads anywhere you know, it's, it's, it's like, I don't see that and it's just a color, but you don't see purple, you know, in, in life down underneath the water. I don't see a lot of purple, but it's a worm that has been used since, I don't know, bass fishing was invented <clears throat> that color, yeah. purple, that color purple, you know, and then just brown and purple, 
And it's like that, those colors have been used forever and there should, you know, they're just a staple. And I'm guessing, Hey, if you don't have it in your box, you better get it in there. Exactly. You, yeah. you have to have it. Okay. Um, you know, what else this time of year is, you know, you've talked about some of the deep reservoirs, but we have some of these great waters, you know, you touched on a little bit with Clear Lake and, and uh, the Delta and that sort of thing. You're, you're going to have tournaments coming up like that. Um, what is it that this time of year, do you ever hit those lakes? Because I know that there's a lot of guys over there. Some guy named John Pearl or something is out there catching some really yeah. <laughs> nice fish on, on Clear Lake right now. You know, I see his posts and all that, and he's out there, you know, tearing up some good fish. Is this a good time of year for, I, I guess people always think, for me, I, you know, I hear people talk about the spring and that's, you know, that's the big fish. What about this time of year? Is there a chance to go out and catch a really nice fish of your lifetime in the winter? Definitely. I think, I think honestly, that is probably, this is the time to go out and target your, your fish of a lifetime. Mm. Um, the fish in winter, I know obviously it gets the, the typical, you know, you got to fish slow, you got to fish small, but that's, that's not the case. And, and a lot of the times you can catch, like I said, your biggest fish of the year during, you know, your winter months, you know, through, I'd say through that, like early March period, um, from now till early March is if you're really trying to, to, to target a trophy fish, this is the time to do it. Um, and if you're looking for something like that, and I, I, uh -huh. I don't like speaking on this that much just because I'm not a, a trophy hunter. I'm a tournament right. fisherman. So of course, you know, of course I want to catch the biggest fish I can when I go out to these tournaments, but I'm not, you know, necessarily targeting your trophy size fish um, just because you're, you're getting very, very few bites doing it. Right. But um, as far as, as, as targeting them goes, when, you know, whenever I have gone to try to try to catch fish, you know, of that uh, stature, what I'm looking for or, or what I'm typically throwing this time of the year is uh, first of all, this is a great time of the year to bust out your, your big swim baits, your big soft swim baits. So if you're throwing yeah. something like a hog hunter or a Huddleston, um, now is the time of year where those baits really shine. Um, so fishing those. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I understand that the general idea of how to catch those fish, I, I don't <laughs> do it that much, like I said, but right. Um, you know, of course, you're you're gonna want to fish those things. Um, one of the one of the key things when you're fishing that is you want to fish. Um, a, a lot of the times, you want to fish them uphill, um, which is kind of a weird way to fish. Uh, mm. So you'll actually position your boat, um, and typically you're targeting places like long tapering points or you know an island hub. So what you'll be doing is you'll kind of position your boat in the shallower area, and you'll be making a really long cast out across that point into the deeper water and then you're going to work that that bait all the way back up into you know the shallows right next to your boat now what that does um and i i think what it does at least in in the fish's brain is they're following that bait and they're realizing when they're out deep if they have a trout out there um i'm just going to use that as as what we're imitating here right. if they're chasing a trout out in 40 feet of water that fish has so many options on where it can go. If, if that bass comes up to try to eat it, it can go left, right, up, back out deep. It can shoot up into the shallows. It could do all that stuff. So what will happen a lot of the times is you'll cast that bait out deep, and that might be where your fish is sitting that you're targeting. But as you reel it shallower and shallower, 
those fish will follow behind it. And then once they realize that they're getting up into the shallow area, that is a lot of the times when you're going to get your bite on that because those fish, they know that that fish, as far as its options for escape, get extremely limited. Um, when that bait fish gets up into the really shallow water, they might only have, you know, eight or 10 feet that they could go up. Of course, they can go, you know, right or left, but they're still kind of be, going to be stuck in that shallow area. And if they want to get back out into the deep water, they can't because, you know, you've got your, you know, eight to 10 pound bass sitting there watching them. Right. So those fish kind of know, and, and I've seen it time and time again, especially throwing um, like a glide bait this time of year, which is, it's kind of a weird ish bait. A lot, a lot more people like to yeah. fish them in, in, you know, a little bit of your warmer months, but I still like to utilize that thing a little bit in winter. Um, I'll get a lot of those fish that'll follow it all the way back to the boat. And you'll, you'll notice them at the last couple seconds coming up. And that's when they start to get really, really close to your bait because they know that um, their chances of actually, you know, getting that meal are going to increase a lot just because that fish cannot, you know, move is in, in as many directions. Um, okay. so that, that's an extremely important thing to remember. Um, and then aside from that, obviously when you're targeting those big fish, I think it's, uh, it's a little bit easier in the sense, just because you want to target the most obvious structure. It sounds dumb. It sounds like everybody's <laughs> going to fish it, but for the most part, not everybody's out there throwing the big, you know, eight or 10 inch soft baits. Right. So, um, you know, find that massive rock pile, find the, the lone stump that's huge sitting on that bank, find something that is just, it's so obvious that, you know, nobody can miss it. And a lot of people have probably fished it. They've thrown their drop shot on it, but those big fish are smart. So they usually don't eat a lot of those things. So throw that around them. And especially when that's an isolated piece of structure, it's nice because those big fish, um, you know, it's like, they're, they are the alphas of the waterway. So if there is one big stump that's a good ambush point on a point and, you know, there's nothing else around, that big fish will claim that thing and no other bass is going to want to get near it because they're going to get, you know, that is, that's that alpha spot. He, he owns that stump. So um, those are kind of the things that I, I look for um, when I'm targeting those kinds of fish. Hey folks, Randall and I want to talk to you real quick about choosing the right electronics mount for your bass boat. Mark and I have been partnered with Bass Boat Technologies from the very beginning, and we know the quality and effort that Van Foster has put into this company. Custom, that's the one thing that I think about whenever I think of Bass Boat Technologies. Van Foster has spent years, not hours, years perfecting these mounts. He works with just about every bass boat company out there, most models for every bass boat company out there. He has spent the time working on these bass boats. So what you get is a custom fitted mount, not some mass produced universal mount for every bass boat out there. Van makes them custom fit for your bass boat. Bass Boat Technologies also makes a lot of other custom parts. Seat pedestal plugs, tool holders, steering wheel spacers and battery trays are all made with the same attention to detail that Bass Boat Technologies is known for. Bass Boat Technologies is a vital part of our livelihood and it's very important to your overall boating experience also. Absolutely, and that's why we choose Bass Boat Technologies. Check them out at BassBoatTech.com. You'll be glad you did.
Yeah, I mean you you your back your backyard lake, Folsom Lake, is known for having some pretty good sized fish in it. I'm not saying it's you know it's known for giants all the time, but there's some good fish yeah. that roam around that, that roam around in there, and you have plenty of Definitely. water. One of the things I was going to ask you is what about vertical structure this time of year? I know that I've targeted it before and had great success. The vertical walls that we have, like as you go up the, you know, up into the river arms and that sort of thing, you've got <clears throat> banks that are just, you know, it's a 40 foot straight up and down wall. Are those good targeting areas for this time of year? 100%. Those those are some of my uh, highest percentage areas to fish this time of year for sure. Um, so there's kind of, there's a couple different types of them. So of course you have your, your typical steep bluff walls, um, which are obviously, I mean, they're, they're a part of the bank. Um, so that's, you know, you've got your bank going down into 40 feet of water. That is a great piece of structure to target. Um, one of the things that I noticed with that is, of course, a lot of the times these bluff walls, you get these expansive areas that you have to cover. So it might be a bluff wall that goes for a mile or, you know, a half a mile. And it's kind of hard to break that down quickly. Um, so one of the other areas that I look for, too, is some sort of more isolated vertical structure. So um, a lot of the times what I'm talking about when I say that is, is bridge piling. Um, bridge pilings are extremely effective in the wintertime months. Um, so those fish will sit on that. They know that bait fish gets washed by them with current, um, or it's just a good structure that they can move vertically on so they can get down to that uh, deeper water where the temperature is more stable. Once that sun gets up, it heats up that surface temperature and those fish in the late afternoons, if, if you got a nice sunny day in winter, they might move up into that shallower water to warm themselves up. Um, and then another one that kind of builds off of that is some sort of a, a floating piece of structure. I know it's not technically vertical, but you, you kind of fish it the same. So I'm talking about, you know, you got your floating tire burns outside of, uh, you know, a marina, something like that. You've got, you know, your, your floating burn outside of a dam, um, something along those lines. Those fish will sit up underneath that. Um, even though it's, it's completely open underneath them. So they have no real vertical structure to go to, but they have that kind of shade line, um, and structure over their heads that kind of gives them a little bit of protection. Um, those fish will sit up underneath that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's what we're looking for. I mean, we're looking for that. That's some good information right there. Uh, you know, it's, um, I, I guess the easiest thing is, you know, it's so hard for people to think about going out all day and spending that time in the winter. You're you're dressed up in cold weather gear. You're, uh, you know, bundled up. You've got to drive. All of a sudden, you don't want to drive your boat 70 anymore. You want to drive it 30. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you yep. know? So and, and to hear you just say, you know what, go out and, and go out. I mean, you didn't say it outright, but go out and risk it, go out into it, because this really could be some of the best fishing all year long is wintertime fishing. And I've heard that from some of the top pros all over the country that I've interviewed. It is like a lot of times they're saying, Oh no, I like to wait till fall and fall and wintertime to get that's when the get the fish come out. And and it's good to hear a guy like yourself say the same basic thing. And you know what? If you're sitting at the couch at home and you're like, I really want to go fishing, well get up and do it. Uh, you know, these these guys are telling you right now. I mean, Luke Johns, who has, I believe the one that you um 
there i was trying to think the one at new maloney's uh you had a pretty good day over there and i think that was a pretty good storm that had come through on that one for that tournament yes yeah we didn't well we didn't have a storm <laughs> during the tournament i don't think we we i mean it was uh gosh when was that that was end of february going into like the first week of march yeah. um we had some pretty warm weather in practice and then right. into the tournament it got colder and colder as it went on and it got um i think the last day we kind of finally started to see a little bit of you know or some pretty heavy cloud cover the last day a little bit more wind i don't think i ever got rained on in that tournament but um but yeah, it, it was definitely one of those times of year. And that one was an interesting one because like I said, we had a little bit warmer weather during that practice period. And mm -hmm. I keyed in onto a bite kind of, well, I kind of figured out the, the winning pattern halfway through the tournament. And it was definitely not something typical for winter fishing. It was, uh, I was, I was fishing a, a shallow crankbait um, and I was fishing it literally, you know, and basically from dirt shallow to five feet of water or less. Um, and, and those fish had moved up because of that warm weather. And even though that storm was blowing in, those fish were, were pre-spawn. They were thinking about getting ready to spawn because of that warm weather. And once they had already got up there, they didn't want to abandon it. And all that cloud cover did for me was actually make my bite better because it allowed that reaction bite to really, you know, take effect because of course you had your lower light conditions. They're a little bit more, um, you know, able to feed in that kind of situation. And they're a little bit less shy of moving baits. Um, you know, when you get those kinds of conditions. Hmm. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a good, a good tournament for you in that one. And, you know, great picking out and pick, uh, figuring out that pattern for sure. Um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to pivot just a little bit here and, and talk to you about, uh, you know, some of the upcoming things. We're we're running towards the end of the show here, and you know, you were one of the top competitors in the Apex Tour, you know, and that's gone now. And we have some new. We have I don't want to say new tournaments coming around because we have one new tournament, our tournament, the bat the Bass Angler Magazine tournament coming up. That that's going to be the newest tournament there's some other organizations mm -hmm. out there talk to me a little bit about you know um maybe i guess you know what does it feel like to just all of a sudden feel like you're abandoned out here in the west a little bit I, I like i said there's still some tournaments out here i don't know if they're as big or on the same track as what the apex is going to be but do you feel like there is with the BAM coming on, do you feel like there is some opportunity for guys to stay out here in the West again, still available here? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit, I mean, it was obviously a big shock for, I think everybody out West. Um, even if you weren't a part of apex or, or you didn't fish wild West to see that, uh, fall apart. Um, and you know, it, flat out it sucked i mean i had i kind of had all my eggs in one basket i was fishing the um the pro-ams with wild west and i was fishing the apex tour and that was that was all i had scheduled for that year pretty much um so when that fell apart it was it was too late in the season to really get in any other circuit i think mlf had already finished up there were a couple lawn basses left but of course a lot of those are down in you know your your desert lakes which are a bit of a drive for me being from now northern california 
So it was um, kind of an extended off season for me, which, um, which wasn't fun, but uh, you know, I managed to hop into the U S open. So that was, that was a good one. That was my first time fishing with Juan Bass. Um, so going into next year, obviously it's a big change for me. I'm going to be fishing basically all new circuits for myself. So I'm going to fish uh, a couple of the MLF events. I think I'm going to do the, the cleared lake and Delta event on that one. Um, Mike, make it down to Havasu if I can squeak it in. I kind of want to see how that, uh, you know, my MLS season's going before I make that drive down there. And then um, aside from that, I'm going to do some of those uh, wand basses. I know they, you know, kind of made their big announcement. They're partnering up with bass. So there's kind of a cool way that you can get into the bass nation championship through them. If you make it, mm. believe if you make it into the top five in any event and you're a pre-registered uh, bass nation member, then you, just automatically qualify for the Bass Nation Championship, um, and that is on the co and pro side. So that's a that's a cool option. Um, and then, like you said, of course, you guys got the BAM Tour coming up. So uh, um, you got your pro am side of it, and then you've got your um, your the actual pro or the, yeah pro am side, and then the pro <laughs> tour side. I'm going to be doing the pro tour side. I don't. I might be able to squeak in a couple of the pro-ams if if i can fit it in the schedule but um yeah. i'm i'm gonna shoot for the the pro tour uh i think as far as as the magnitude of it we're, we're gonna have to wait and see obviously we got a new circuit um love mark i think he's gonna do a good job he's gonna do everything he can to make that big but of course with anything it, these things mm -hmm. take time to build and um and it just needs the support of anglers and you know the industry support as well that's that's right. really going to be i think what um you know makes or breaks it in the sense of whether it grows enough to where it's a a truly truly an option for west coast anglers to pursue you know somewhat of a career out west um just because i mean the flat out bottom line of it is it is it is it's hard to to really be a professional fisherman on the west coast i mean the the amount of sponsor dollars that are out here are not what they are back east and you know just the in, amount of national attention is is not what it is back east uh which sucks because we have some of the best fisheries i think but um but it is what it is so i i <laughs> applaud mark for coming out trying to build something like that so i mean i'm i'm hoping yeah it goes the way we all want it to go. And, you know, hopefully there's a future for us West coast fishermen out here. Yeah, me too. I, you know, this is, we're going to be, um, definitely putting our best foot forward. We start February 10th. I believe it is. We're having a little practice run deal to kind of make sure that the microphones are working and all that. So anybody that does, you know, hear about that <laughs> tournament, please. And does come out and fish it, please bear with us a little bit. Cause uh, it'll be my first time on the stage with the mic in my hand doing that and trying to figure out the best ways to get the fish up and wait in and making sure that everything goes correctly. And I, you know, and I'm really hoping that we see, you know, guys of your caliber and yourself out there. Um, it, it will be, I, I hope that what Mark, that Mark's vision of what bass fishing should be out here is really the vision of what he feels like bass fishing should be just flat out everywhere that, that you should not have to drive 3000 miles, 2000 miles to make money at a career that you like. He's done it here. Um, he has made, you know, good money here doing, doing this. There are dollars here to be had. And 
Um, I think guys like yourself who are young guys coming up in this sport are some of the ways that it's going to increase and make it better and make it more, um, I don't know, popular. I guess that's what we really have to make it out here is we have to make it popular and a way for people to see it and enjoy it and understand that it's not the guy sitting on the bank with a six pack of, of cold ones and, you know, having it, having a, a day. That's not what we're doing. Um, that's not what Definitely. you're out there doing. That's not what, you know, that is an old school mentality of what fishing is. And it's, just, yeah. you know, it, it's come so far. And I think that I know it was bad publicity but they always say, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Well, when the cheating happened and all those people kind of saw what what I noticed everybody here heard about or what I got questions about most is the amount of money they were fishing for. And I was like, that's nothing compared to what you, you know, what we were what we fished for in the bass tours. And I think the people yeah. are going, wow, you know, um, you've been out there and talking to some of the younger guys, this, you know, some of the high school kids, some of the you know, it, all that, the college levels, the high school kids and, you know, promoting this sport. And I think that just needs to keep happening. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I hope for, I hope it's going to be good this year. Uh, you know, and with, with that, that bass angler, we really get our foot out there and we, we show everybody that we're going to do what we say we're going to do. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and I'd love to, you know, you have, uh, I'd love to give you some time here if you want to talk a bit about some of your sponsors and some of the, you know, some of the people that allow you to do this as, as at the level that you do it, um, you know, and, and, you know, take your time here and, you know, we got about five minutes left. So talk them up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a complete advertisement here, so um, yeah, I'll, do, I'll do my but... best not to. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, having, having, I guess, having a winter podcast, if we're talking about wintertime fishing, I think one of the things we didn't really touch on was, um, was making sure you're prepared for the weather. That's, that is one of the biggest things. I mean, if any of you know what I look like, I'm a very skinny guy. So when it comes to wintertime <laughs> fishing, I love to go out and do it, but I freeze my butt off most of the time. So one of the ways that I have really been able to kind of overcome that is by, of course, wearing the right gear. Um, so I'm, I'm with Bucking Bass. I've been with them for a while. Um, I think most people kind of know about their rain suits. Um, they're, they're flat out amazing. I mean, I've, I've never been wet since I got one, which was really nice. And I've had the suit for, I think, three years now. Um, and it, it is still holding strong. So I know they, they've got a nice price tag to go along with them. But when you're doing this as much as I do it, it I have noticed that it is well worth your investment. Um, and they also have had some, you know, some of your underlayer pieces coming out. They come out with a nice puffy jacket. They've got a hooded version as well. And I mean, I wear the thing like probably five days a week um, just because it's comfortable, it's warm, um, and, and they make quality gear. Um, so if you guys are in the market for any of that sort of stuff, of course, you know, they make your summertime stuff like a, the sun shirt and some sun gloves, all that good stuff too as well. Um, they're a phenomenal company and really, they're really one of my favorite companies to work with just because, uh, the guy who owns it is extremely nice, a very personal guy. And I mean, he does everything he can for the West coast. Um, and, and, you know, he makes some awesome products to go along with it. Um, but aside from that, I mean, a lot of my other companies are, are bait companies. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I love my Yamamoto baits this time of year. I love them all year. But like I said, when you're throwing those jig trailers, like 
like I said, that that right. cowboy. If you guys have not tried that thing on the back of a chick, it's it's that beefier version, and it is it's a killer for when you're looking for some bigger bites. So um, take a look at those. I know one of the things that I've really liked. I know we were all scared when GSM took over Yamamoto because we thought they were going to change the formula. Thankfully, they didn't obviously. But the one thing that I've really liked about them is they have innovated that brand so much. So there's so many new offerings in the Yamamoto line that was basically just almost a stagnant company before that. You know, they had mm. they figured out the Senko. It's the million dollar bait and everybody still loves it. But, uh, you know, they weren't coming out with a lot of new stuff. So the new offerings from Yamamoto have been really fun for me to be with a company that's finally, you know, innovating in, into our industry and, and putting out some really fun and really good fish catching new baits. Um, and aside from them, um, the Picasso baits, uh, if you guys are looking for like that Alabama rig I was talking about, they've got almost too many options to choose from, whether you're looking for blades, no blades, they've got it all. Um, and they make some really, really quality baits. Um, and then, you know, I, I've, I've been working at Fisherman's Warehouse for about two years now. So they're a tackle company. Um, or an online tackle retailer. We also just opened up our fourth retail store. So if you guys are local to Northern California, I'm sure you've heard about them. But Fisherman's Warehouse is awesome. We've got everything from trout fishing to tuna fishing, so and everything in between. So if you're looking for your bass stuff, um, we've got you covered. Of course, like I know, you're out in the Midwest. Uh, if you want to order from us, we will <laughs> ship it straight to your door. We've got good shipping times, all that fun stuff. So, um, you know, they, they allow me to go out and kind of, and chase this, uh, you know, they give me the time off to go fishing. So I got to say thank you to them for, you know, supporting me through all this stuff. And, um, and yeah, we, we've got pretty much everything you could think of for fishing under the sun. So, um, definitely give them a, give them a look. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're not getting your packages on time from somebody else, uh, we'll get them to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, Luke, basically, thank you for coming on and taking the time to talk about this. This is a this is a time of year that you know, guy. Everybody's looking at you know, Christmas is here and that sort of thing. And you know, you're you don't get as much time on the water, but you should definitely make time. Luke is just giving you some some gems on how to do it, and how to catch those fish out there, and uh, you know, on different waters. I even took him all the way back to the Midwest to catch some fish. So, uh, you know, we're this is the time of year to get out there. And again, uh, you know, just thanks for tuning in, everybody. Luke, thanks for coming on and doing this and just appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I uh, I will never pass up an opportunity to talk fishing, so can't beat it. <laughs> That's good. And uh, again, I hope we see you out there this year. I hope I get to uh, announce your name coming across the stage with a couple big bags there. And uh, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is the Bam Pod signing off and uh, have a Merry Christmas and uh Good to I hope to see you, you know, have a good new year and we'll we'll talk to you. I think we have one more show before New Year's here. So um we'll get that one in and we'll see who I can drum up and get to come on. I hope it's someone as good at least as quality as this. So you have a good night and we'll see you on the next show. 